Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. The key to winning big is using every little bit of knowledge to your advantage. At Odds Checker, we give you the edge. Better odds, better picks, and better offers to make you a better better. Why settle for less? Quickly compare the odds at every sportsbook to ensure that you're getting the best price to maximize your return. Visit us at www.oddschecker.com backslash US. Odds Checker. Sports betting smarter. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's March 6th, 2020. If you're listening to the best PokerCast on the internet, I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Okay, get on with it. <laughs> I've been poking you all week to, to talk about this. I know you're you're excited about. Oh jeez, you know the show's gonna be like two hours today. I think if we get it, let us get out of hand. So let's just keep it under control. <laughs> all right, well, you, we uh, you, you know how often we talk about uh, how poker playing intersects with things we do in our lives that have nothing to do with poker, right, Chris? Yeah, yeah. Well, I had uh, two of those this week, and I can't believe everything that's happened since. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> But anyhow, we'll go back to the things that happened then. Um, and uh, both those things happened the same night. So um, uh, I'm a season ticket holder for our Tampa Bay Vipers XFL team. Absolutely a blast. I don't know if they'll last the entire year, but oh, <laughs> so far no. it's been a lot of fun. Oh, no. Well, the attendance dropped off considerably the same game. So. Oh. But uh, and the team is horrible, although they won this week. Uh, but going to the games, it's like a party. So I'm having a, a lot of fun there. Um, but, uh, one of the, the XFL is doing so many cool things that I hope if it doesn't survive, the NFL picks up some of them at least, you know, they mic up the players, mic up the refs. Um, and then the other thing that's really fascinating to me is, uh, they got rid of the boring point after touchdown kick, right? Uh-huh. Which the NFL thought it would be exciting by pushing it back a couple yards, but still boring, right? Still boring. Um, so now you, after you score a touchdown, you get a choice of, uh, running a play from the two-yard line, and if you're successful, you get one point. Or running a play from the five-yard line, and you get two points. Or running it from the ten-yard line, and get three points. Um, so to me, when I first heard of this, even before I started going to games, I thought this was going to be super strategic, and I was going to see how the coaches uh, came up with it, what they decided to do. And i got to say, it's pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> they pretty much always go for one, yeah. um, unless there's some score reason to go for two or three. Um and um, so uh, I was sitting there thinking, and I was like, it seems to me, I, I, my limit poker mind was at work. I'm sitting at my seat watching uh, these one-point tries, and it just seemed to me that um, you only have to be right once and three times for the three-point play to be what I would imagine positive EV, which is just like in limit poker where you make that last bet, even when you don't think you have a chance of winning, but if you, you're right once in so many times, then it makes it work. So um, so I posted it on Facebook, and, and a bunch of people got involved and uh, crunching numbers and stuff, and I think the numbers kind of bear out what I'm saying, but the coaches aren't doing it. <laughs> oh, man. Silly, silly, silly Facebook people. 
how do you how do you equate this? See, the problem is, and I'm pretty sure I put a pin in your balloon and popped it, but no one wants to admit it. But playing in the XFL with a finite clock is not the same as one long session of poker in your life. So while you may not have 10 chances at that bluff on the end and limit poker in that one session, if you're attempting those 10 tries over seven sessions, then it might be profitable. But in the XFL, in the moment, you don't need to bluff the other team. You just need to tie them. Or if no one's, if you're ahead, you just need to put points on the board and make it that much more difficult for the other team to tie you. Or in this case, if you went for it saying, hey, we can miss it nine times, on the tenth time we'll get it, 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 it doesn't help because now when the other team scores their touchdown, they're going to do the play that's 98% successful and beat you, and you lose your job as the coach because you were saying, oh, like in poker, I can try to make three points here one out of every ten times. The problem is you're not going to score ten touchdowns or however you, many you think it is make it profitable. Well, because the quarterbacks suck. Otherwise, they might. But, but. <laughs> no matter what, even if you had the greatest team ever, if it's still the mathematically, you still only get those three points one out of every five times or six times, it's not profitable. And so you're not going to get six opportunities to run that play to get that those points back to even if you just went for one every time. And it's not a one long session with this. It's finite. It, it, you only have so much time to score so many touchdowns in this game to try to get these extra points. Well, I think where you're going is some of the similar arguments to the limit poker argument, right? So there are times in limit poker on the river when you are 98% sure that you're beat, right? Hmm. Because the way the hand's played, I mean, the texture of the board, blah, blah, blah. So in those cases, even though the theory is that you only have to be right once every 10 times or whatever, right, mm-hmm. um, you shouldn't make that bet if you were that convinced that you are wrong, right? Mm. So in your scenario with the XFL, the same way, I, I don't disagree that if it's the last play of the game and you're tied that you should go for three because mathematically in the long run it'll work out better. You, obviously, you go for one for the win. That's the high percentage play, right? Mm. Um. I'm thinking more on the aggregate, though. Like when like your first touchdown of the game, you get the kickoff, you run it all the way down. Three minutes later, you score. You've got a lot of time left in this game, so why don't you? Why would you not try to score as many points as possible when the math plays that out for you? Well, again, the math only plays it out for you if you're going to have that many attempts to make the math work. Well, you have that attempt right now, but you but you don't have the amount of attempts to make the math work. You, 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 your odds are still against you, and you don't know if you're ever going to score again. And the other team may just score once. Now you've taken a high risk play to get extra points and failed. They'll be able to have the easy call on the river, knowing they have the nut flush or you know second nut hand, and it's easy for them to, to just call and win the pot when you made a daring bluff with ace high. And so it's too it's too finite. You know, some of the other stuff these guys were adding in there was like just fourth down going for it on fourth and ten, but they were doing it from the fifty, using stats all over the field to make their point. And it doesn't work when you're all crunched up in the end zone. So I, I think I think I, I can see what you're doing there. I can see it. <laughs> But it's just the finite part is the problem. It's too finite of a time crunch. And there's always that, hey, what if our defense comes up big and only allows one touchdown the whole game, yet because we were playing numbers and mathematical when we didn't need to be mathematical yet, we cost our team the game because we only mirrored, scored one touchdown and they only scored one touchdown. That's the thing. The guy, If your entire bankroll was on the line, this is this this is what it all comes down to. Even though it's limit poker, you don't have your entire bankroll on the line with that one bet. You have one bet. In football, this coach's life 
And the, a lot of these players, their entire bankroll is on the line whenever they play a football game sometimes, especially in a startup league. But, See, but that's a flawed argument because they get a new contract or they keep their job by winning. And I know, and you're forcing before. them to probably lose and yeah, make stupid, yeah. stupid decisions. <laughs> but it's not stupid. The math plays it out. It, it doesn't, Scott. It's finite. It doesn't play it out. I, I can't wait. I'm hoping to hell that our friggin' fans will chime in on this on on our recap this week because I mean there's it's there's a there's a difference between okay you know you're gonna score ten touchdowns in this game positive now let's do the whole mathematical thing but no one scores ten touchdowns in a game ever unless you're the Redskins in 1930 it doesn't happen and you lose seventy to nothing so I mean it just doesn't happen so. I don't know. I I loved where you tried to go with it, but I I can't see that being a a positive EV play for people's careers. How's that sound? All right. Maybe All right, the good. other scenario would be more to your liking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so as I was sitting there watching this football game and considering limit poker, uh, my guy for president Pete Buttigieg uh, dropped out of the race. So I was sad as, and. Um, so the next day I started like, you know, trying to explain what was going on to folks. And then, uh, my number two, Amy Klobuchar <laughs> bailed out as well. And then I gave up on the whole presidential race, but, um, but they, they both quit like the two days before the biggest primaries of the year seems so odd to people on the outside, what was going on. Um, uh, but it comes back to math and how hard it is to fold your hand when drawing to that sweet two outer, but you do it because you know it's the right thing. You don't do it because you know it's the right thing to do mathematically. So, for example, it, would just, it seems illogical for them not to, like, why not wait till Wednesday? Why not see how you do on Super Tuesday? Mm-hmm. Uh, but they did the math and realized that it, it's a pipe dream at that point, and the right thing to do is to get out uh, earlier. So it's, to equate the poker, it's the same thing. When you're sitting there like, God, I really want to hit this card because who doesn't want to have a straight flush? Um, but then your mind takes over and says, hey, heart, shut up. Uh, the math's not there. you got to fold. So this was no limit hold'em, apparently. Yeah. Right? Yes. Okay, yeah. So I play both games. I, I, I agree with you on this. this I, I agree. Um, the math just wasn't there for them, and they knew the most important thing is securing their bankroll which in this case, the most important thing for them is securing the country and trying to move forward with someone they knew had a chance mathematically to win to try to take on whoever's running the, uh, the country now. So, yeah, I completely agree with, with this scenario. So there you go. That was kind of boring. Huh? I was yeah, I was boring. Sorry. It's got to work on the XFL one with you. So. <laughs> Although I could take it another level. <laughs> I, mean, could... I mean, the XFL might be out of business now. <laughs> I could say that there's an argument that Pete should have stayed in the race because so far we're one for one with presidents who have the words rump or butt in their name. (laughs) And so if you have uh, some sort of name that can be that part of the human anatomy, you are one for one in winning presidential elections. Pete maybe (laughs) should have stayed in with butt in his name. But the sample size isn't big enough for that argument. It's not a big enough sample size. I'm going to call that uh, limit. Hold on. All right, uh, let's talk about real poker now. U.S. Senator Tom Cotton has filed a bill going after online gambling, uh, essentially going after online gambling sites that he says are marketing to children with gambling-like games. Critics of his legislation say it's just a clever way to go after all forms of legal online gambling and it's an extension of the effort to repeal a ruling on the Wire Act that opened up online gambling to states who wish to offer it to their residents. It just makes me sick. It, It just makes me sick. And what really makes me sick is how they're constantly tagging on, tugging at your heartstrings that these poor kids are sitting there and gambling with their college tuition uh, because they've been tricked by those evil online people. And they just won't let it go away. When you drill all the way down to the bedrock of it, too, it's Sheldon Adelson there, you know, looking up at you laughing. And it's ridiculous. They just won't let it go. They won't let it go. And they're they're always doing this stuff to try to, you know, redirect attention to what really needs to be paid attention to. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It's I, I mean I don't think it has any chance. I, I don't know. I, they keep shooting this stuff down. And that whole ruling with the uh, was it the New Hampshire? Uh, they put this or was it New Hampshire? Or was it Vermont? When they set it aside, the ruling, and then. 
they totally just destroyed it. So I, I don't see how this is. This is just, just like the same exact attempt, just in different wording. Yeah, it's just another end around. It really is, and it's it's unfortunate. Um, you know, certainly you don't want kids to get hooked on, you know, drugs, booze, cigarettes, or anything Anyways, bad. But yeah. uh, you know, the the sheer number of non-gambling games out there. I mean, I, when I'm out with my friends who have kids, and you know, they give them the phone or the iPad to shut them up for a while, right. so mommy and daddy can have a conversation with their friends. Uh, and watching the games, I'm like. Yeah, you're not gambling there, but you're you're trying to get points or watermelons or whatever the heck it is, depending on the game. <laughs> so there is a gambling element to it, but how do you how do you decide which of those games are gambling and which ones aren't? Right? right I mean, right. it just it seems like it's a it's an overreach, and I think that's what people are saying. They're looking through this and saying uh, it, it's silly that you're really. It's just a, a clever way of. Um, uh, trying to shut down uh, the stuff that was opened up by the Wire Act ruling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's hope it doesn't go anywhere. No, let's. Uh, I don't think it's going to. All right, and then finally, Poker Pros: Doug Polk, Mike McDonald, and Dan O'Brien are taking bets on whether the World Series of Poker will cancel its Summer Series as a result of the coronavirus outbreak. Polk was the first to tweet his offer, uh, wanting twenty to one action that flight restrictions will force Caesars Entertainment to cancel the series. McDonald offers sixteen to one before dropping to twelve to one when O'Brien did the same. As of now, uh, official word from the WSOP is that it continues to monitor the virus and the series is still on. It's tough to say, you know. Uh, every time you turn around, there's someone you know holding sporting events without anyone in the facility. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's a while to watch, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I think that there will be a, there are enough players. Mm, probably within driving distance of the World Series to hold a World Series, you know, I mean, and within, you know, just within the city limits anyway. Yeah, so, I think cancel is a strong Yeah, thing. I agree. Uh, cut back, limit, uh, other things like that, maybe I could see a case for, but cancel just seems pretty extreme, but... Uh, but again, it, it's it's like shorting stocks, right? You know, it's you know everything out there has a yes and no option to it. So that's what I think was fascinating by this is that you know they're, they're trying to set the line on what that is. Not necessarily saying that it's going to be canceled, but um, how much money they're willing to risk um, at what odds to get a payoff on it. So I think that's pretty fascinating. You know damn well that the pros will be there because this would be if something does by the summer equate to like a lot of people are just not going. It'll be their best chance at winning a bracelet or multiple bracelets because the field will be reduced. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I don't. I don't know. And plus, you know, if it's true about the whole by summer, it'll be so hot that you know it'll be tough to have this thing existing. You know. I don't know. I, I don't see it canceling. They know they're not going to close their casinos. So if the casinos are open, then why wouldn't you have a poker tournament too? So I, I know it's a lot of it's travel and stuff because of flight restrictions, but there's enough people within that distance to, to make those events happen, I think. So I don't know. I'm not saying that I'm going to call up Doug Polk and put down 100, but you know, <laughs> I'm just saying I don't think it's going to happen, like you said. Well, again, it, just, it seems illogical. I mean, I understand canceling events in Korea and the places like that where the outbreak is big. Obviously, you know, it's March now and we're getting new cases in the U.S. all the time. So, you know, maybe in two months, the whole U.S. is just like Korea. If that's the case and that's a different story. But mm. um, but for now, it just it seems a little premature. But, um, you know, I, it, it, the one thing that is tough, and we did talk about this, I think, on a previous show, right? Um, that um, uh, poker rooms are like the worst place to be to spread germs. So, yeah. So I could see I mean, if, if you want me to make an argument for how it gets canceled, I don't think it's because of flight restrictions or people not coming. It's because they decide that having that many people um, playing for two or three months has the risk of spreading the virus. That, that's that's a more plausible reason for canceling in my mind than yeah, yeah. people showing up. Yep, so. I agree 100%. Any updates? The any up? Poker Tour next visits Gila River Hotels and Casinos Viquiva near Phoenix, March 14th, 29th, so right around the corner. Uh, the Antioch World Championships at Thunder Valley Casino Resort near Sacramento, California, July 5th to the 26th, 
Atlantis Casino Resort and Spa in Reno, August 20th to the 30th, Hamul Casino near San Diego in September, and then Gila River Hotels and Casinos near Phoenix in November. If you'd like to be one of our monthly magazine contributors and represent Annie Up in your home area, apply at com slash apply. We have an immediate opening in Michigan. And we love hearing from our fans, so if you have a hand of the week, listener spotlight, or call the floor submission, email us at podcast at com, or post in the Annie Up Fans group on Facebook. Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at podcast at antiupmagazine.com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. This week's prize is a setup of J-Design playing cards, the official playing cards of Antiup Poker Cruises, available at classicplayingcards.com. Comes from our dog. It says, on my recent trip to Las Vegas, and I'm going to need help with this one, Scott, so pay attention. <laughs> Um, I noticed that poker rooms use their tournament clock in multiple ways, some displaying some information while others don't display the same information. I get that with some information, but I am actually baffled by how the time to next break indication displayed would vary as well. Some display it from the beginning, some display it after the first break, some don't display it at all. I asked a few tournament directors why they don't display it, and what they generally told me is simply that management has chosen to have a policy to have that off until later in the game. When I am seated and I turn around to look at these things, I'm almost just as likely to be curious about the next break as I am the next blinds. I can't imagine a game that would have the next blinds indication turned off for the first hour or so by choice, yet somehow next break sometimes is. Can you give me an answer for this? One that my logic-focused, recreational, poker-playing brain can understand? I'm with you there, buddy. I, I, that's what I have right there. I have that logic-focused, recreational, poker-playing brain. <laughs> that's, an, that's the name of my new band. <laughs> uh, well, <coughs> all right. Oh, he says, uh, when the countdown clock uh, for minutes uh, to next break is not displayed on the Bravo tournament clock, it is usually laziness, someone not able to use the software correctly, or a combination of the two. It is conceivable that some tournament directors are dead set against displaying the time left until a break, but I don't know any of them. I can't really think of anything that sounds reasonable for simply not showing the time until the next break. On most structure sheets for tournaments, breaks are listed or explained for all players to read those, so the information is not secret. Uh, on the blind level chart, there will be multiple lines listing a break rather than blinds, or there will be disclaimers stating that breaks will take place every so often. The only time I could ever see uh, removing the clock is if during heads-up play the two players have agreed to play until a winner is determined. Uh, I, 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 well, I guess what I wanted to know is why do we care? I, I don't understand. They say, well, hey, you're having a break, you're having a break. I, I don't I don't know well, why that's I, important. I, I can answer that by saying it's – I think what our dog's saying is like the, the clock has that capability. So why would you not put it up there? there there's not a – doesn't seem like a good justification for not having that information up there. Uh, beyond that, I would say I think the number one question I hear in poker tournaments from players is, when's the next break? <laughs> and I always turn around looking for a TD. When's the next break? And and is that is that change their approach to the game somehow? Uh, well, that I don't know. Well, how does that matter then? Okay, so the break's in an hour or the no, break's in five minutes? More, What's the no, difference? you got to figure out how long you got to hold your bladder. Uh, okay, so the break. bladder. All right, so the bathroom well, My breaks. point of bringing that up is that if, if there are rooms that, for whatever reason, aren't displaying the time to the next break, the TDs are going to be answering that question way too much yeah. and not doing the stuff that they're supposed to be doing, right? Yeah. So I think that's the case that our dog's making. Just put it on the clock doesn't mean that idiots aren't still going to ask, but a lot fewer idiots are going to ask. So there really is no reason. Um, kind of, uh, I'll take this a little bit bigger. I, it, it is kind of interesting to me how different rooms do, particularly in the Bravo clock. Uh, let's use the standard clock. I mean, some rooms uh, use the Poker Atlas clock. Other ones use their own clocks, right? Mm -hmm. So not those are all apples and oranges in my mind. But the, the Bravo clock is the, probably the most popular one. So the information they put on there is different at most places. Uh, not most places, I mean, but, but occasionally I'll go to a new room and I'm like, well, that's weird. That's the same Bravo clock, but they don't have that same information. 
Um, so I, I think maybe getting a little bit more standard on that would be helpful to folks. It's not a TDA thing, I don't think, to tell you how to use your Bravo clock, but it certainly would be a little easier for players to, to have that consistency uh, when they see it. Um, and kind of a little bit of a tangent, because I just got to get this off my chest, though. Um, before, before registration closes, folks, the number of players in and out is never going to be correct up there. Yeah, it's just the way it is. So uh, the other thing I, I think is hilarious when I'm in tournament, like, well, how could four people be out already? It's only the second hand. <laughs> no, no, those numbers are not correct. Now, I I don't know if there's a way to make those numbers correct or just take that information off. I would be in favor of taking off incorrect information. That's what I would be in favor of taking off the clock because it's it keeps people from that like, oh wow, can't believe four people were out. <laughs> You idiot. Four people are out. <laughs> All right, so that gets back to you know, well, if the if the device can do all these things, why aren't we letting it do all of those things? So the argument for saying it should have the next break up there is the same argument for who's out on there. So uh, anyway, but well, I, I want you to edit. I did edit the the email down, obviously, because I know how much you appreciate brevity, right? Yes, so yes. Uh, one of the things, one of the answers that he got from somebody was that it clutters the clock. Okay. So that I mean, I, we can agree to disagree on whether it clutters or not. But that, all right, I get that. If, if you are the poker room manager, tournament director, and your opinion is there's too much information being displayed up there, all right, that's fine. Um, again, we can agree to disagree on whether it is or not. But now, now you, that that's a reasonable explanation that you could give me that you want the clock to be cleaner so people can focus on the information that's most important. And as Elliot says, the breaks are listed on the structure sheet, which you can pull up on your phone in most places, or they have the printout, right? So it's, again, not a secret. Um, but that's really the only thing I can think of that makes sense. Well, I mean, I don't like that answer because you could also do that for the blinds, too. You can call up structure on your sheet, so why have the blinds up on that? You know what I mean? Oh. So all that information, it's, it's convenience is what it is. Now, if we were in high school debate class... And you had to take the other side. Would the clutter argument win, or is there another argument we can come up with here for the reason why this stuff is not on the screen sometimes? Well, that's why I just said I. I that's the I clutter it, right? is the only thing. That's that the only thing you can come up with. Okay, yeah. I can think of. I but then curious. again, I, I'm predisposed, and this is why I was never good at debate in high school. <laughs> I'm predisposed to my opinion here, right? So, yeah. uh, I, I I honestly don't understand why anybody would not put it up there. So it's hard for me to get in their mind and and come up with more than. That one excuse, that you know, because they can they can the, the font size can get larger with less information on the screen, so it makes it easier for the old guys to read and you know from a distance. Well, that's that's interesting. I don't know on the Bravo whether you can do that. I think it's just you know you're taking more bells and whistles off. I don't think you resize anything on the Bravo. Oh, okay, right. but uh, I, I have not seen anybody resize things on the Bravo clock, so right. that's what leads me to believe that that's not an option. But all right, well, back to some real poker. We get to complete <laughs> O'Malley's move today. Uh, this is going to be part one. We'll see you on the other side. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are seated in a $1, $2, No Limit Hold'em casino cash game. The game is pretty standard for 1-2 No Limit. We're playing nine-handed, and the game has been relatively friendly up to this point. The blinds post, the under the gun limps, the plus one makes it $10 to go. This player is tight and aggressive, most likely way too tight. From early position, we can put this opponent on a specific range. I would say aces through jacks, maybe tens. Ace king, but that's about it. This opponent sits with 300. We get two folds and it comes around to us in the hijack with the nine of spades, eight of spades. We sit with 330, we're up 130, and I think this is a clear call. We can put this opponent on a very specific range. They will fold if the board is scary enough. We might hit something, and we get a chance to stack this person and make this good night a great night, we call. The cutoff and button fold, the small blind folds, the big blind calls, and the under the gun gets out of the way. With roughly $30 in the pot, the flop is a beautiful jack of clubs, ten of clubs, seven of hearts. The big blind checks and the plus one makes a $20 bet into the pot. 
I want to raise here, but I don't want to scare off a flush draw or a set. We make it $50 to go. The big blind folds, but the plus one thinks for quite a while before finally making the call. There's now around 130 in the pot, and the turn is the eight of diamonds. Our opponent almost immediately checks. This isn't a great card for us, but the only real hand that might beat us now is queen nine, and I highly doubt that's what this opponent is playing. I still think we're in this one for value. We count out $70 and slide it into the pot. Our opponent once again thinks for a long time before making the call. With 270 in the pot, the river is a disheartening nine of diamonds. And our opponent once again checks. So, our hand was just counterfeited. There's a jack high straight on board. What's the move? All right, as O'Malley said, uh, we just got counterfeited, so we can uh, check and hope to split this pot or bet and try to win it all. For me, the problem isn't that we just isn't that we just got counterfeited as much as this card might have given our opponent the pot if he's sitting with the queen, which is a very likely card. I don't want to tempt fate, so I'm checking and hoping for half the pot. Uh, regrettably, I'll check too. Um, while the opponent may fall for the old shove on a made board play, he likely would have folded a lot earlier if he thought you had a queen, but. If he had a queen, that was a perfect place to shove for him. So now I'm not really sure, but I still think I'm going to check. Uh, it's, I don't know. I, I'm going to check. I'm going to check. Here comes part two. Hello again. I can't imagine this opponent has a queen. There are two hands that make sense that have a queen in them. Ace, queen suited, and queens. I don't think our opponent checks either of those. Could it be something like ace, king of clubs? A busted flush draw? That's possible. Did we bust aces or kings before our hand was counterfeited? I think this is a chop pot, which means there's almost no downside to betting. This opponent will fold a hand that he thinks is beat, and I think we need to take advantage of that. The question is, how much do we bet? We sit with around 200 to our opponent's 170. The pot is 270, so I guess a shove is in order. We shove. Our opponent rolls his eyes. Jacks? He asks. Or ace-queen? We sit motionless. Good bet, he says, and mucks the king of hearts, king of diamonds, face up. We don't show him our cards as we slide them toward the dealer. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying, sometimes knowing your opponent's tendencies helps you win a pot you otherwise might chop. I hope to see you on the felt. All right, again, O'Malley has history with this player that we don't. Uh, so if I could have easily eliminated a queen from his range as O'Malley did, a bet, uh, if not our shove, uh, definitely would have been the right the route I would have chosen. Yeah, I hate the shove, though. I mean, while I generally ruled out a queen in his hand from part one, um, I, I just feel like, you know, we played this hand so aggressively, he could have just let us keep betting. You know, once he's like, okay, I got king-king, but this guy is just betting a lot, and I think I'm still ahead, but it could have been queen-queen. It's the same. They're basically the same hand there. So if he has queen-queen there, and he bets and we raise or whatever, and then he just calls, and so now he's like, all right, well, I've got queen-queen. You know, I still have an overpair to this board. The turn's an eight, so now he's saying, well, if I I still have an overpair, he still may not have the straight. He could literally have queen-queen there. And uh -huh. so I just, for me, I don't like the shove because if this guy was truly letting us just bet and walking us, then it's like, okay, now instead of at best getting half the pot, if this guy just calls, you're going to lose more than the whole pot. You're going to lose what you put in the middle too because he was being tricky with queen-queen. So to me, I think it's – we'll get back to the whole Pete Buttigieg and, <laughs> and uh, XFL stuff. This, this play isn't profitable enough times, I think, to, along the, 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 the life session of poker – that you should make this shove here and hope and you're only going to get half if the guy doesn't fall for it, you know? And yeah, so you have to have the queen sometimes to make that play. And this guy could have queen, queen, even though I ruled it out earlier. If you think about it, queen, queen probably plays his hand the same way. And that's just a real risk that I don't know. I'd just be happy to take the half the pot and be lucky that we sucked out on King King, you know, essentially. So I don't know. Anyway, I just didn't like that shove. Yep. All right, it's time for the AdvancedPokerTrain.com Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at andyatmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. 
uh, Jonathan Ottenbacher from our cruise is back, and uh, he's got um, a couple hands uh, from the cruise that he went on with his wife. Uh, gosh, when was that? Uh, October's. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, so we'll play. Um, uh, we'll, we'll talk about one hand this week, and then uh, we'll talk about the other one next week. All right. Cool. All right, and this is both in our one three cash games on board. And he says in both of these, the players had uh, had already played with each other for a few days and were fairly familiar with each other. That's what we like about Antioch Cruises. You get to know each other. That's right. Community. Uh, the opponents in these two hands were uh, mostly solid, uh, tight aggressives uh, who tended towards aggression with both draws and made hands. All right. First hand, uh, uh, our hero here was the effective stack with around 250. A middle position player raises the 10. Uh, he says, my wife in the small blind calls, and I call in the big blind uh, with Jack-10. I guess I should have said, he's got Jack-10, what are you going to do? He's got to ruin the whole thing there, right? Uh, I'm going to agree with our good buddy Jonathan here and, and, and call the 10 bucks. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, actually. Um, I, I, Jack-10 is kind of like my Achilles heel. I overplay it too much, but in this scenario, I think it's a perfect place to make that call. Um and uh, see what you come up with uh, yeah. for ten bucks in a one three yeah. game is standard yeah. race right yeah suited jack ten you can make five straights five nut straights you know you can make a flush you're in the blinds you got a couple people in the pot with you so they're picking up the odds yeah let's make a call all right uh, he says in a deeper game I might three bet that hand uh, but as I only have around eighty big blinds and playing out of position is a call better. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, here's the problem with the three bet. I think there is now. Now you've kind of put the target on on your back. Uh, you don't have position. I mean, obviously, if you if your three bet gets everybody to fold, that's a different story. But if everybody calls, you don't have position, and you have a hand that can flop big. Um, but then you get into this whole, I think, uh, playing cards differently at that point. Um, I think this is a hand that, that I kind of like like the. Hide in the weeds with, and um, take your stack with later on. I like that. Hide in the weeds. I don't <laughs> hide in the weeds. Well, it depends how big the weeds are. Whether you can hide it. <laughs> well, the other thing that bothers me a lot of times, and this isn't Jonathan doing this, but I'm just saying out loud. A lot of times, people will automatically assume that because somebody in middle position raised, that they have to have the theory of poker hand. That isn't as strong as position one under the gun or UTG plus one or, you know, just because they're in middle position doesn't mean they can't have queen queen. And so you're now you're opening the betting up. You're fortunate to have a quality hand, a big blind for eight more dollars with 22 in the pot. You know, it's it's worth it just a call. You, you don't need to reopen the betting, make it 40 to go, and have this guy come over the top for 180 because he's got king, king, or ace, ace, and he's hoping that you shovel him with jack, jack, and you lose your whole stack, for you know, or you've lost $40 for nothing. So I love the call here, right? It's one thing if I understand that this is the type of player that gets frisky once in a while, but we've already been told that opponents in the hand is a tight, aggressive, solid player. So right. if you're tight and then you're aggressive when you have the hands you want to play, that means you have quality hands. So it's got to be a made hand already at some point, probably. It could be something mediocre, but it's still probably some sort of made hand or overs to us. I don't want to get frisky. If this guy has jack-jack or queen-queen and then four bets us or whatever, I'm not going to be happy with that. So let's just call for eight more dollars and see a nice flop. Oh, seven more, actually. It's a one-three game. Oh, one-three. Seven more dollars is right. <laughs> Brought to you by Any Up Cruises, where our one-three game flourishes. <laughs> All right. The pot was around $30, and uh, our hero has 240 behind. The flop is uh, Jack 9-8 with two hearts. Hmm. Uh, and he says his wife donk bets $15 into him. <laughs> oh, man. It's on us now. Oh, you, you pull out the divorce papers. <laughs> and a pen. All right, so that donk bet hurts, but uh, I still, I still don't know what to do here because of the two hearts. It's a pretty wet board, but it's wet for us. So I think I want to draw more players into the hand, and I don't want to shove them out. So I'm probably going to call here because if I make it 45, then the original razor may go away. If he does, now it's me and the wife you know, playing for a hand, which sucks, you know, and I'm still going to try to beat her, but at the same time, you know, y you want to sleep in the same bed that night. So, um, 
I think I'm just going to call anyway because I think when you're drawing and you have a pair, I mean, it's it's nice to 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 pull people in to get a really big pot when you're the favorite. So let's just call. Yeah, I think the other thing too is we haven't we don't know what the middle position player has done yet because he hasn't had the chance to act yet. But since he raised preflop, again we have to put him give him credit for having a decent hand. So um, I, I think there's a reasonable uh, case to be made that he's going to raise um, the wife here. Um, so if if we raise and then he re-raises, now we're in a, a really sticky situation because we do have a pair, top pair. Um, and a draw, but uh, we're not there yet. So, um, so yeah. So I, I think uh, I'm going to call here um, and um, hopefully keep the other player in, and also minimize the amount of money we have to get in on our draw right now. So, all right, I agree with you. All right, that's what our hero does. He calls. The other player raises to fifty, and our wife calls, and it's back to us. Uh, okay, I'm going to call. I, I I I think that this guy has us beat now. I don't think we're ahead anymore, but I like our chances of catching up. Um, I don't know. I I think that uh, the hearts are pretty scary. Somebody anybody could have hearts, so your outs are reduced to what you want to try to make here, right? You know, um, because you know if it's the jack of hearts that's on the board, because I don't think he told us which heart was that. So yeah, then the then that's that's fine but if, if you you know the board comes another heart even if it's a straight card you know like a seven of hearts then okay you made your straight but now the flush is there so your outs are reduced a little bit but i don't mind calling i just don't i'm not going to open up the betting again there's just no way yeah we're kind of uh, treading on the what we talked about at the beginning of the show with the pete and amy <laughs> getting out and they see it um you don't want to get too married to this hand. Um, it's as nice as it looks right now, but I think at this point we got two players in. We're closing out the betting now by the with our call. Yeah. Um, and, and we could still be ahead. It's probably doubtful now, but um, we could still be ahead. But we have a lot of things that can go right for us in this hand. So I'm not really, I'm not, certainly not ready to get out of it, um, and not going to poke the bear anymore. So I think a call is really the only option here. Yeah, the one thing I'll, I'll say is if I had to put the middle position player on hands that he doesn't have, I would say it's the flush draw. I would say that this yeah. guy would be happy that people are betting and coming along if he had the nut flush draw and position. So I don't think he's going to try to raise because raising is essentially trying to either push us out or to build a bigger pot that he already made And because there's right. no way he's drawing, I don't think, now. So, all right, so you put that aside. So I think the wife probably doesn't have that either because why would she bet out into two people who were aggressive? Uh, well, she had a similar hand that we did, but with hearts. Now you that that's an interesting bet in that point now because you're kind of betting on the common way, yeah. or uh, the hearts give you some backup to to make that bet. Um, that being said, it's an odd bet anyhow. So yeah, but. I mean, if it's a nine eight of hearts and you have jack ten of hearts, I can see betting, hoping that the middle position player shoves and you're you're a huge favorite over any hand really. Um, and so yeah, I'd be happy to get in it with somebody when I have top pair open in a straight flush draw um, with someone who has queen queen or something or even a set but um, yeah I just feel like she has a similar hand to us and not and not anything that we I don't, I'm starting to think maybe the hearts aren't aren't a problem here but let's see yeah no I, I think that yeah I'm with you on that um, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody has hearts but I think it's doubtful yeah all right, our hero calls, and he says, uh, I'm not a fan of betting out a turn on the flop, but apparently my wife is. Uh-oh. <laughs> and I was planning on checking to the razor. Normally with this hand against a dunk bet, I'd raise, but with a preflop razor behind me, I decided to call to see what he would do. Uh, hey, go back to what I said. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he raised my wife called. I considered shoving. I chose to wait to see if the flush or any overcards came in on the turn, planning to shove if they did not. Hmm. All right. All right. Pot was around 180. Uh, we have 190 behind, and the turn is the four of diamonds. So, again, our board's jack, nine, eight, four, still two hearts. And this time, uh, the wife checks. Yeah, you know, I, I think I'll check. I, I mean, we have a pair of jacks. We still don't have our maid hand. Uh, this guy, let's, let's just go through both scenarios. We bet a bunch. The guy folds. The wife folds. We win the pot. We, we bet a bunch. The guy shoves, 
and we have one street left, and we're we're behind a, a set of eights, set of nines, pair of queens, pair of kings, pair of aces, and we have to hit our straight now, or yeah, or a jack. So it's like a coin toss, and I don't want to get into a coin toss for my entire stack, and I certainly don't want to make a bet this guy's going to raise and just waste my money and have to fold after I bet and he, or have to call it all off anyway. So I don't mind checking let this guy set the price. If he shoves, then I am put to a test and I have to think about it. I still think we're behind here. Why would the guy raise and we're ahead? We are not ahead here. So shoving with one card to come, if this guy feels like he's got a set or an overpair or made straight, I mean, who knows? I mean, yeah, I, who but... knows? Queen 10 for some reason of hearts or so, who knows? But yeah, I don't, with this yeah it's unlikely. Right, possible. it's unlikely. I agree. So I feel like we're behind, and betting here now only just opens it up to more betting that our hand's not strong enough. Even if it's like the guy is ace-jack of hearts, that's a hand that could possibly have made that raise. Now he's got yeah. top, you know what I mean? So now we have to hit a straight or a 10. So I don't know. I don't, I don't like betting here. So I'm going to check again. So am I. Yay. Um... Uh, all right. Uh, so he says the wife checked, and he followed his perhaps bad. He says plan and shoved his one ninety. Middle position player thought for a bit and called, uh, and the wife folded. He says I don't uh, I don't want to play too passively and simply check call the river to see if I hit my straight. If I check raise instead, assuming the middle position player bets any standard amount, I won't have much fold equity, and I wanted to apply the maximum pressure. So I decided to shove once the flush and over cards missed. On the other hand, the middle position player had shown nothing but aggression the entire hand, and while on the flop, I would be approximately flipping against an overpair. At this point, I'd be quite behind that, so perhaps check calling or even check folding would be better. That's kind of interesting. That's kind of what I said, the whole flip yeah. coin flip thing. Yeah, I mean, to me, uh, this guy has been in your face with money the whole way. He, In my mind, he clearly has you beat, and you have to hit now with one card to come. Why risk 190? Or, yeah, 190, right? So, why risk 190 on a coin flip that hoping the guy folds now? Because do you, do you want the guy to call 190? No, you're trying to force him out, and it's so obvious to him. And he, right. all he's been doing was telling you, I've got a massive hand here. Yeah, I've got a hand, yeah. So, either he's calling with an overpair or a set or a straight. At best, now you're looking at having to hit your hand to tie or to win. You know what I mean? Or, yeah, nothing worse than hoping to hit the tie. That's yeah. Really rough, right? Yeah. I, again, we don't put him on Queen 10 or 10 yeah. 7, but we're just saying you never know the way people play. You know, the ship could be rocking. Who knows? <laughs> uh, so, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's a, in my mind, that was a bad play. I would have just checked, let the guy bet another 50, called. If you miss on the river, make a judgment call, check, or whatever. But in this case, I feel like we're way behind. And, yeah, and I don't necessarily think it's weak to check call in this situation. I mean, some people might think that way, but I don't necessarily I consider that a weak play. I think that's a, a, a smart play in my mind. If anything, if you ruled out hearts and a heart comes, you could represent the hearts now. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah. And then maybe your jack's good enough for anyway, for sure. Who knows? Maybe the guy had tens. You know? Yeah, that's right. If you're check calling all this whole hand and then you come alive on the river with a heart. That's a pretty powerful story there, right? Yep, there's your hand. So I, yep. I would like a check call here. All right. Uh, middle, middle position player had 9-9 nine, nine for the flop set. Oh, uh, yeah. And the river was a blank, so we lost. But, uh, obviously lost. Uh, he said his opponent said he was worried uh, I already had the straight when I shoved, but he had too good of a hand to fold. My wife says I played too aggressively. Then again, let's not forget who dunk bet the flop. Honey, glass houses and all that. <laughs> glass houses. Uh, was I overly aggressive? Was I overly passive? Where was my biggest mistake in this hand? Or did I play it perfectly and simply ran into the top of the middle position player's range? Well, we, we alluded to that earlier about the middle position having could possibly have good hands. And it, although 9-9 is still a mediocre hand, it's still better than a drawing hand to start the hand off with. So he's got a made hand to start with. And when he's betting into you, you know, it's one thing to just call the bet on the flop that your wife made for the middle position player. But he said, I have a better and a caller, and I'm still willing to raise you now. I have to have this hand locked right now somehow. Um, And then when he gets the two calls... You you know when when blank comes on the turn he's gonna put the hammer down on the turn so betting your whole stack into him 
is 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 music to his ears. I know he said, "Oh, I thought you might have had the straight," but really, if he really thought about it, you don't shove with the straight there. You make a value bet. You get the guy with ace ace or king king or whatever to call, and on right. the river when the heart doesn't drop and a, you know or something, then you make another value bet. You don't just shove with a straight because there's hearts out there. So if you really thought about it, that shove on your part would have been music to his set, you know, music to his ears. So um, yeah, I think that was where you were overly aggressive. Did he? He asked that right? If he was overly aggressive, yeah. I think that that shove was just way too much for for the situation. I would have just checked, let him bet seventy. Call the seventy because you're willing to put in one ninety in the middle, and if you're trying to scare the guy off, if you think you're ahead, you know, what I mean, I I just don't want to have to hit my hand on the end. That's a huge, huge shove into the, and to me, that's a donk bet too. Glass houses yeah, and all, yeah. right? You, I mean, really, you you just bet into the guy who's been forcing money down your throat with a pair of jacks, you know, and a wet board. So I don't know. I would never have done that. I, I sound harsh when I talk like this, but I'm not. I'm just saying, you know, you he was quick to call his wife a donk because of the betting into the razor, but you did the same thing, and you only had a pair of jacks and a draw, yeah. you know, with one card yeah. to come. So, well, I hope part two gets better for him next week. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.